0: Hello and welcome to the 361 Degrees podcast. This is episode seven in season three. This week we rejoin our 361 live event which was recorded at LBI's headquarters in Brick Lane last week. Episode 6 kicked things off with our first three questions and we rejoin the action for question 4 of 7. On the panel are Ed Hodges, Head of Mobile for Business and Commercial for Royal Bank of Scotland, Mark Squires, Nokia's Head of Communications for Western Europe, Stephen Pinches, Head of Emerging Technologies at the FT Group, Ilico Elia, Head of Mobile at our hosts LBI, and Rafe Blanford, Editor of All About Symbian, All About Windows Phone. My name's Ben. Smith, I'm in the chair, and you, McCloud from Mobile to Review, is in the audience handing the microphones. One of the pleasures of uh, having a po- having a podcast that we put out every week is that we have a-, a listenership from all around the world, and some of those listeners wanted to participate in tonight's show. So, next question comes from. Uh, Andy Hagen in New York
1: hello Rafe Ewan and Ben I absolutely love your podcast and I'm sorry I can't make it to the 361 degrees live event as New York isn't on the tube map unfortunately and even if it was it would be in zone 10,000 but I hope this is the next best thing I'm not going to try a terrible New York accent so here goes I'm a Nokia fan so it's a Nokia question Nokia hopes that Windows Phone will be the third ecosystem and obviously they want to be a key player with their smartphones running Windows Phone. Visit any of Nokia's many websites and you see a vibrant, thriving company giving you the impression that Lumias are the answer to everything. But you only need to spend 10 minutes on the high street or looking around an airport departures lounge to see that everyone is either using an iPhone, an Android device or even, calm down Ewan. A BlackBerry. Will we ever see a time when Nokias are as ubiquitous as they used to be in their heyday, or is the damage from their past mistakes permanent? Will they now forever be a minor player always playing catch-up? Thanks, guys.
0: Well, I, I, I can't imagine why we played that question in. This, thanks, thank you, uh, thank you, Andy, both for participating and for, for being a regular contributor to the podcast uh, with comments and questions. Iliko Elia, will Nokia ever recover their position?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know I've got time for you later, Mark Squares. <laughs> I, I don't think that position is going to be attainable by anyone. Um, I think there are too many competitors in the market these days it's a different marketplace you don't have the single tour de force that that nokia once was um, and you don't have that single sort of massive uh, uh, ability to just create phones in every single possible shape and size especially not with the with the windows phone uh, operating system Stim Pinches, you are developing a commercial app
0: that needs to be accessible to your readership. Is Windows Phone uh, a target, uh, an attractive
3: platform? Windows 8 is an attractive platform. Windows Phone is, uh, has the potential to be a, an attractive platform. But I think one of the issues we have is that we don't know what the relationship between Windows 8 and Windows Phone is. So that needs to be much more clearly um, defined. And I think that the big missing piece in Nokia's jigsaw is a tablet, which they seem to be hopefully addressing... Um, will they be a niche player? I think they might well be a niche player, to be honest. Um, I, I just think that, you know, the, the strength, this is, this is what everybody thinks about Nokia, the strength of Nokia was always hardware, it was that they created fantastic hardware, they haven't done it for a while, they're starting to do it again. Um, if they can create something which actually you, you feel like you want to use because the hardware is fantastic, again, people, people will, use, will turn to it. And in some markets it's worked, but they've got a hell of a lot of work to do. Mark Squires. Oh gosh, where do I start? Um,
4: First of all, I think there's an advantage of being as old and wrinkly as I am, which is I can remember when I first joined Nokia from Hutchison when we were a struggling company, uh, very much behind Motorola and NEC and people were saying there's no space in the market. The truth is there's always space in the market and all the comments so far have concentrated on a very narrow sector of it, which is the smartphone size. So, Without getting into a pissing competition of who's where, let's not forget that our company is much broader than just smartphones, but talking about the Windows Phone platform, um, I think part of this that everyone overlooks is differentiation. We aren't the only Windows Phone player out there, but we are one of the few that have actually taken the platform as it exists today And added on Nokia Maps, Nokia Drive, Nokia Music, all at no charge. And in fact, if you look back at Nokia's history, there's a few things you wouldn't have without our company. Um, You certainly would have struggled to get SMS, because I can remember the first 170 definitions of the whole platform. SMS, when it first came out, I can remember several operators telling me actually was an utter waste of time. Um, and wasn't there and those of our listeners who are perhaps old enough will remember originally it was a one-way transit I can remember the first um, tunes that were put over SMS and there is a member of this audience Ray Haddo and I who made a proposal um, to actually do SMS ringtones. Do you remember that one, Ray? Yeah. And we were told that it was a flight of fantasy that would never catch on. <laughs> um, actually, I can remember being told something similar about the social media as well, but we'll ignore that. Um, the fact of the matter is, much, <laughs> as, much as we would all like to, to, uh, to say how well we know the market and how great it's going to go, I'll tell you something for free unless somebody really comes up and grabs the innovation baton and runs with it, regardless of who they are, and I like to think that it's something that we've done for the last 17 years that I've been there, and for the 170 before I joined Nokia, what you'll get is a nice sort of flat black tablets that will sit there on the shelf, all that costs whatever it is. What I can tell you at the moment in less than a year is in the UK market, because that's the one where we're sitting, having this podcast, to go back to earlier question, you can buy a brightly colored Nokia 610 for 99 quid. Now, we may not be perfect, and yes, I think we did drop the ball, and I don't think anyone in Nokia has ever made any secret about that. We've been nothing but transparent and honest, but we are still innovating even now. Can you all honestly say the same for every one of our competitors you've mentioned tonight? Honestly, true innovation.
2: Iliko, hey, so just a, a bright pink phone is an innovation.
4: But a polycarbonate cover is, but delivering that at a price point of half of your competitors is. But actually taking a platform, developing it in less than a year, and putting free apps which don't require an online connection to use maps on is. So, no, Bright Pink maybe not be an innovation, but nobody else happens to offer one at that time. And they certainly don't offer one, that if you scratch it and scratch it and scratch it, it's still Bright Pink, because it's not just a layer. Ed. But, hey, what do I know? Ed, Ed, <laughs> <Ease>. <laughs>
0: Is, oh, the serv- is the hard- is hardware innovation that Mark talked about and the kind of free apps that he mentioned the way to win consumers' hearts again in the smartphone sector?
5: God, that's difficult again. I mean, I would agree with the fact that we've forgotten about the utility of hardware. I mean, if we go back over the last 10 years and you've got the first razors coming out, okay, people are bought in on that because of the thinness of it, regardless of the software that sat on top. Um, If you look at the JCB tough so these are the easy ones to pick out, you know, you bought that because of the utility of the hardware. We seem to have forgotten about that side of things uh, um, when making handsets even at the very top end of this. And everyone is running scared about that, sorry, running scared of the app stores and believing that's the only way uh, that they can create differentiation is with some of their software and with the app stores. So, I love this idea of the polycarbonate bit and the fact that you can have Nokia's It Drive that runs uh, without having to be connected and things like that. That's great. But the general public doesn't get that. It doesn't care about the nuances uh, of that. So I'd like to see uh, someone like Nokia turning around and taking on the, the utility of the hardware again and creating things at the top end that fit specific markets that you used to do so really, really well.
0: I think I think this is one that the, the, the audience might want to get in on. So let's let's get some questions and we'll come back to the panel and uh, so so... Good question. Hello, I'm Domingo.
4: Um, Basically, we were talking at the very beginning about this new billion of people getting into internet. And now putting it together with this discussion about how can uh, Nokia still retain some of the volumes uh,
3: that they have had.
4: Is Nokia betting on the smartphoneization of the feature phones? Okay.
0: The any...
3: of the of the
0: okay. Let's. Okay. Uh, do, let's. Any other questions, and we'll take them all in, all, all in one go.
6: I'd like to hear each of the panelists define what they think will be the next great innovation.
0: <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Rafe Blanford.
6: Which question do you want me to
7: ask?
0: I want you to ask all Jen's question. Jen's question about innovation first. I.
7: Uh, I think everyone seems to think it's going to be in software and services, but I think it will go back to hardware, and I think it will be nanotechnology being uh, practical, and that's uh, maybe power, cleaning devices, waterproofing, um, and pot- potentially miracle materials like graphene.
0: I don't think technically graphene is a miracle. But... Well,
7: they're, they're, you know... <laughs> to harness it and use it correctly. Thank you, Ben, but uh, I think material science still has an awful lot to offer.
2: Ilico. I'm going to disagree and think and say I think the innovation has got to be in service and it's probably not known as innovation, but actually giving good service will be something that people will pay money for. So
3: it's yeah, a differentiation
0: in commercial way in the way that services are sold. Absolutely, Stephen Pinches
3: payments. So uh, I think once you've got a super simple way of paying for anything, we talked about this earlier. Um, one, you know, via a, a, a mobile phone that's absolutely huge because it actually changes the the, um, dynamics of capitalism. Anyone can can run a store from anywhere. They can just set up a store. They can run it um, just like that. They can sell something and they can take a credit card payment for it wherever they are.
0: Mark, if only only you could change the dynamics of capitalism, you'd be fine.
3: (laughs) No, I don't think so.
4: And I I certainly don't agree with that last comment because I've never yet seen somebody in a pub say, you must get one of these. The payment system on it is stunning. Uh, It doesn't happen. Um, What actually happens is... um, when you make a purchasing decision, uh, you have a basis as decision where you start and people shift it. And most people are swayed by the, there's very few people that aren't swayed by those around them. Most people seek opinion and probably the people in this room across representative are for those people who entered a larger space and shared that opinion. And I would suspect that most people in this room are certainly good at listening to others' opinion and they use it in their decision-making process. With that as a basis, I think sometimes, going back to the original point about innovation, you have to do something and shout out 808 PureView. PureView technologies come from nowhere. How many other companies would probably have thrown that out there? We've done it, we've taken a certain amount of flack for doing it on the Symbian platform, which is all about development timescale, but it's made, I think, a difference already And you will see improvements across the entire industry because of that particular innovation. And everyone will benefit. And I'll tell you what, there'll be a lot of people that show pictures to their friends in a pub and zoom into them, and they will go and buy products based on high-res technology.
5: Ed Hodges. Yeah, so I'm gonna pick a particular thing that I want to see in the future, um, coming soon. I'd like to see the uh, foldable screens or flexible screens moving to (laughs) be unfolding. I want a single device that when it's in my pocket, uh, I use it for very specific utility and productivity-based apps to do something specific and put it away. And then I want to be able to fold it out into something akin to a tablet to be able to use it in a different way and even larger than that. That I, I would be awesome, uh, innovative technology for me. Our next question comes from James Bode. Yeah,
8: We've had a little bit of uh, talk about um, RIM and where BlackBerry are going. Um, I personally believe that BlackBerry are far from dead. They've got a there's quite a lot of life still left in the old dog yet. Uh, but to the panel, if you were the CEO of Research in Motion, which one? What would you do to rescue BlackBerry today?
2: Good man, yeah.
3: Stephen Pinches.
8: <laughs> I think a partnership with a financial no. Um, uh... <laughs>
3: I think uh, they need to have... I mean, the biggest shock with RIM was that they diversified their operating systems. It was, you know, a a pretty desperate move. Uh, And I think, you know, if they can fold um, QNICS, you know, the the operating systems and the playbook, back onto the the handset successfully, um, they... (laughs) They, they, may, they may stand a chance. But I'd be interested to throw the question back to you, actually, and say when you say RIM have got a lot of li- life left in them, you know, what is their USP and why do you see that?
8: What's their competitive advantage over, over their competitors? Well, RIM or BlackBerry are selling a downside more than just handsets. It's a complete solution with a whole load of corporate infra- infrastructure uh, which allows the customers, principally the, the big corporate players, to exert a whole load of control and security uh, upon the users. So uh, we focused on, on handsets, but there's a lot more to uh, the system than just handsets. But, I mean, haven't all of those... I mean, I wouldn't
3: rim argue that actually even, even that USP isn't where they're focusing their efforts because they've realised that actually a lot of companies can, can get the same security benefits, the same uh, benefits in terms of infrastructure without a Bez. Um, so, you know, actually the, the, they need to focus on the hardware just like everybody else, and they need to actually make their phones better to use and nicer, and that's the only way that they're actually going to gain market share.
0: Ralph Blanford, you're the uh, chairman of uh, RIM. What do you do?
7: Well, well, the temptation is to give a glib answer and say I'd, I'd run screaming from the room. <laughs> um, but actually, I, I actually don't think BlackBerry is a, as bad as some people seem to think at the moment. You know, if you'd asked me five years ago, I'd have said they're in trouble, but they've demonstrated their incumbency effect in enterprise is really very significant indeed. But... In the short term, put everything you can into delivering BlackBerry 10 and the devices as quickly as possible. But looking further forward, I I think inevitably they will become a service company. And so they need to look at putting the BlackBerry experience on other platforms. Now, be that Windows Phone, be that Android, or even I can't really see them partnering with um, Apple, to be honest. So I, I think they have to play to their strength, which, as James said, is really the bit that sits in the back end.
0: Mark, um, Nokia and RIM were both called problem children a few years ago, and Nokia made a big of uh, the burning platform announcement and made a big strategic change in, um, in smartphones, and RIM uh, promoted an insider and sustained, you know, sustained its, uh, its existing strategy. Um, what would you do if you were chief exec of RIM?
4: I probably wouldn't comment in a forum like this. Um, <laughs> it's it's long been a it's long been a a, a tenant of mine not to actually do that with our competitors and I hope you'll forgive me for not commenting on this occasion. I actually think there's a lot of people in this room who understand room far better than I do because I have a completely different viewpoint from inside the company. But if you push me on it, I'd play to my strengths. And I think we all know what they are. And I think Rafe gave a very good answer.
5: Ed Hodges. Yeah, I'm afraid I follow on with uh, with Rafe. I'd bring BB Ten out as soon as I can for the uh, customer retail side of uh, the business, uh, and I'd look to retrench heavily back into uh, enterprise and uh, uh, the business side, the commercial side. Okay, okay
2: so let's go, Rafe, Mr. Rim, on this podcast.
0: That's a that's a new one on us, <laughs> actually. Certainly not a certainly not a moniker he's going to be keen to keep, is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's go out to the audience. Um, Anybody there who fancies being the chairman or chief executive of RIM? (laughs) (laughs) Hands down. Quite well paid. Any any questions?
8: I think they're um, trying very hard to win the hearts and minds of the developers. Um, They've uh, appointed a chap called Alex Saunders, a good friend of mine, actually. Very, very capable individual who's going out and he has steaming into the developer world, uh, he's resourced to do it. He's got something of the order of 150,000 uh, OS 10 devices to give away to developers to uh, get them enthused about developing for the platform. Uh, and having seen OS 10 and QNX, I mean, it's a good operating system. If only that they They brought it out three years ago before Android got
5: in. What about bringing the the horse to water, but getting it to, because, I mean, you can have all the developers in the world developing stuff, but if people don't download apps, or certainly from a corporate point of view, they're locked down so that you can't get in and download apps, isn't BlackBerry stuff, no matter how many handsets you can give away?
6: Um, one of the things that I've done the last couple of years is done a lot of interviews, video interviews with people in my neighborhood and friends of friends and friends. I kind of went out and out and asked them five questions. And one of them is, what do you use now? What do you love about it? What would you change about it? And what do you hate about it? And what's your next device? And time after time after time, it is not the enterprise users that I have met who love Blackberry it is women between 15 and about 42 and they want services but they want their keyboard for as much as dom is making fun of the keyboard and what blackberry what i got fed back to me a lot lately is is that blackberry's touch devices particularly in the services have been quite faulty uh, photos keep failing da 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 so i think The question is, can they get their hardware and their services together to appeal to a wide stream audience?
9: I think RIM are, I was gonna swear then, are in deep, deep trouble. I can't personally see much way back. If you look at messaging, the whole they they enter consumer, and just look at the teenagers, they're all on WhatsApp. I mean, I know so many young people have gone from BlackBerry, because it was cool for about five minutes, and now they're all going to iPhone or to Android. Um, As someone who knows a lot about startups, because I, I used to be at TechCrunch and I talked to app developers. Nobody is developing for BlackBerry. First, second, third, as much as you can chuck money at developers, they go where, where the people go. Just look at WebOS. Developers loved it. They thought it was cool. Couldn't shift enough devices, Mind share, <laughs> etc. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's true. I think it's grim for rim. It is true.
2: Uh, Ed, it's Ed, true, Ed, H- James. Sorry, it's
9: true. Ed Hodges for uh, <laughs> Royal Bank of Scotland. Are you... Uh... Are you developing for well? Where is Rim in your strategy? Actually, it is. It is. It is in our strategy. Um,
5: that's because we have a significant number of uh, businesses, okay, that do use uh, BlackBerry handsets, and they uh, out of that sort of you know, 1.2 million businesses that there are, most of those aren't on enterprise level Blackberries. That's for the larger clients, uh, and there's a significant number of them that use them. So it's it's quite important to us and other banks. Okay. One final point. So we were happy to accept that Nokia is never going to
0: get back into the place where it was because the world's moved on and we can't have a single dominant player
2: rim not all of us rim was built <laughs> rim was built on the
0: idea of a secure platform that delivered messages really really quickly and it was deeply integrated with your you know your business you know systems and all that sort of stuff and you could charge 35 40 50 quid a month as a premium for that on top of your mobile network fee where is that possible? I talk to CTOs as part of my group work all the time I don't know anyone who wants to keep bears no we're going to have to we're going to have to move on there <laughs> <laughs> oh. okay um, we have <laughs> <laughs>
9: <laughs> <laughs> we lost the audience so. all <laughs> <laughs> uh, right Patrick writes from the United States
2: accent
9: please uh, please I was do about, I about yeah. to try it. For, for
0: the sake of our listeners do not, not do the, the accent, accent. <laughs>
9: Recently,
1: <laughs> uh,
9: yeah, Recently, the CEO of AT&T said he would be surprised if in the next 24 months, this is him speaking, we don't see people in the market with data-only plans. It's inevitable, end quote. Uh, Patrick continues, I find it odd that at and has suddenly become amenable to dumb pipe status after so much work to uh, corp ma- corp, corp compartmentalise compartmentalise revenue streams, voice, SMS, etc. This has to be a way to increase profits. Am I right to be distrusting? Also, will telcos going to all data services be open to working with Apple, uh, Microsoft, Google, and so on to integrate services like iMessage, Skype, for better user experience?
3: Stephen pitches. Uh, well, I mean, there's already quite a few... There's already quite a few networks that have data-only packages, don't they? I mean, GIFCAF have done it for a while, and I think some of the other networks do. Um, so I don't really see why, th- why this is any different. I, I, I'm not party to the margins for networks, voice versus data, but I'd imagine it's probably much of a match. I, I, I really don't know. Does anybody know? Um, but I, I, I just don't see this as a significant um, development. I just think it's part of the diversification
7: of a network. Rafe Blanford. I, I, I don't know the figure off the, the, the top of my head, I'm afraid. Uh, but I don't really see this as that surprising a trend. And I think we just have to be somewhat careful when we talk about this because, yes, some people are going to go to data-only plans, but there's a very large part of the market that will keep on calling and texting. You can talk about the grey market or other bits. And, yes, some people are going to look to do everything over data, but other things will come in. And we talked, touching on the earlier question with the smart pipe versus the dumb type, and over-the-top services. So, no, I don't think it's disingenuous to believe that operators uh, are, are going to go this way. It's, you know, it, it's it's the way things are going.
2: But as long as the services are, are easy to use, do you, do you care whether it's over a data connection or not?
7: No, uh, it's...
2: So at and or whoever giving access to data only, but you can have... You can ring someone and you can send a text message, or you can use WhatsApp to send a text message or Skype to send a text message. Uh, I, it doesn't really matter.
7: Yeah, and I, I think the battleground will be less over the, the precise details of the package and probably over identity. And that's what the operators won't want to give up and that billing relationship because identity then has an impact on payments and all of that. No, I suspect that's where they see as their thing they're not willing to give away. Voice they don't care about.
0: Ed, if. We move, if we move to a world of, of over-the-top services and data, all of a sudden the amount I pay for my voice call becomes far less predictable because it's based on char- per-unit data charging rather than per-minute calling. Can, we, can you ever see a time when consumers would accept that or are, we to, or are, are as has been suggested by the other guys, uh, data-only packages just a, an edge-of-the-market thing that a few people will buy? I think it's the latter. Bingo. Think, uh, yeah. Mark Mark
4: Pipelines are relevant. What you do with it is most important. Everyone talked about apps earlier. The killer app is speech. Very few of you, as old as I am, those of you that are, may truly remember how remarkable it was to first see a phone call made instead of press to talk and release to listen, simultaneously across the world. I think it would be a very, very brave operator that offers a data-only package just in case somebody then drops a safe on their foot and needs to call the emergency services quickly.
0: Illy, this is... The question, the question may be not be contentious, but it was it was phrased that um, the operators are changing the way they work. They must be in it to make more profit out of me by some sneaky back you know backdoor kind of approach. Um, does this say more? Does the question say more about people's perceptions of networks than
2: the the, the change that we're describing? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I know many people who love their network. <laughs> um, are you a dolphin? No. <laughs> Um, and I have all of the networks and I don't particularly like any of them. No, that's not not right. I do like all of them. Hold on, can we edit that out? You like all of the, you, 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 like, you like all of the ones I like? like all of, of your I cards. like all of my networks equally. Um, I, I don't I don't think I don't think voice is the killer application anymore, though, to come back to something you said. Sorry if you injured yourself seriously and you had a phone on you, you'd send an email. Um, if I could press a button and somebody appears where I am because it's got GPS and knows where I am, brilliant. I don't fair comment. Do
4: you, but are there any apps where you can just press that button at the moment? Not yet, no. I, I think so as we stand today, probably speech still has a slight edge. Uh, and I think, I think, plus the have... fact I've never yet met a baby that learned to type before it learned to actually speak. Uh, but you not you seen a
2: baby use an iPad. Are you kidding me?
4: Uh, only after they gurgle. But they
2: go like that, and then like that. Yes, and it's it the kind of
4: fascination
2: that people and pay so much for such a basic all.
4: device. That's why it's, it's the equivalent of the bricks. Look, it, it's this is this is a question, and I'll go back to the first answer. The pipe is irrelevant. The usage is everything. It changes from country, it changes from network, it changes from person. But in extremists, it has to be easy to use. You have to have something that locks it down. And in all of this, we are cheerfully forgetting the number of, vast number of partially sighted people in the world as well, who still need. The use of speech.
0: Okay, so let's go out to the audience. And I, uh, in addition to your question, I'd be interested to know from from anyone who puts their hand up, would you be happier to have a service that was endorsed by your network? If you're happy like a service like Skype or iMessage, would you be happier to have it if it was endorsed or supported by the network, or would you prefer it if it was completely uh, independent and provided only by you know the current provider?
2: Like you have, everybody has to have insurance in the UK. Not a lot of us love our insurance companies, or even. Our banks for a lot of that cases. So for us, let's take an MTM service. If there was an operator that offered you a data package, you probably would use it again. As a consumer, I wouldn't be comfortable with just a voice. Uh, sorry, a data package. I would want the voice package again in case I drop a safe on my toe and I want to call somebody. There's an unexpected amount of safe dropping going on here in E1. <laughs> um,
0: just so just to come back to my, my question, I just want to be really clear. Um, you can buy, you can get, you can get Skype and iMessage from the guys that currently provide them, or you can get the same
2: services but operator endorsed. Which do you prefer? Somebody who's already got a contract with an operator, if they offered that on top, then it's easier. So I don't have to make another decision. So probably stick with the current supplier.
3: OK, Okay. we had another question. Going back to the um, data-only SIM, um, while well, you probably wouldn't want that on your phone right now, when LTE comes along, technically speaking, it is just a data connection. And everything, voice, et cetera, is an OTT service and i don't think for a second the operators will open that up to third parties but there is the possibility there that you could be you could have a a data lte sim with an operator and then choose who provides your voice who provides your text message and things Uh, just on top of that in japan they've realized that nobody's going to compete around voice so all the lte contracts come with free voice so you don't even need to choose another provider
7: and i i should just add to all this i think we should be careful not to forget the humble sms message It's a system that does actually work. Loads of people use it, and it's not just going to be person-to-person in the future. It's going to be machine-to-machine and application-to-person and all that kind of thing, because it's a robust, well-known transport mechanism
0: for messages. Last question of the evening, I think, because we're running short of time. Uh, Claire Griffin, please.
1: When we look back at 2012, um, does the panel
4: think there will have been any game-changing innovations in mobile? And is the Olympics proving to be a good platform for... Um, for launching mobile innovation, do you think?
0: Okay, so we're tight for time, so I'd like you to keep it quite tight, uh, Mark Squires.
4: Um, I'll take it the other way around. I don't think the Olympics has been great for innovation because I think actually everything's stopped so we can make way for it. But I think it's great for London and the other parts of the country. Um, Game changing. I'm not allowed to say peer view again. Everyone will get upset. But I'm
5: going to say peer view again. <laughs> Uh, Ed Hodges. I think payments are coming along much faster than expected. So not that I'm bringing it into an area I know more about. But, uh, yeah, I think that's happened much faster. I don't think there'll be a one single that's exceptional. Stephen Pinchies.
3: Um I'm going to build on that a little bit. I think that payments, we're reaching the point where it, it, it is becoming, as I said earlier, it's becoming a, a, something which is going to change things radically. But it's the confluence of payments and mapping. Um, so the amazing announcements we've just heard about uh, Apple... Um, I'm joking. I don't know. I don't know what they've announced. But I'm, sure, I'm sure it's amazing. Turn-by-turn navigation. It's cutting edge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about. I'm not. I'm not talking about navigation in terms of in your car. I'm talking about um, you know internal internal navigation in terms of um, you know being in, in a shopping store, being able to know where someone is in a shopping store, and be able to tie the payments to that, that kind of thing. Maybe it hasn't happened right now, but I think there's a promise that by the end of the year we might have some services live which are doing that kind of thing.
0: OK, we're going to come back to uh, mobile money in a second because it's a theme we want to touch on. But first of all, Ilico, 2012, what will we look back and think of as innovative, and do the Olympics provide a, gra- a proving ground?
2: Are, are the carriers actually going to... Uh, I know they promised to have you know, Wi-Fi in all the stadiums that worked and allowed you to get sort of second screen type information whilst you're watching the games. I don't know actually if anyone... No. People are shaking their heads, so that was meant to happen. I remember going to some meetings earlier, or last year, where they were talking about that sort of stuff, and I just think all of that's a bit... I think, it'd, be, it'd be nice.
0: I think the answer is we don't know yet. Also, the, the Wi Fi that's been rolled out on the tube uh, is being available, but I don't think anyone's stress tested
2: it yet to see how, how, how you know, th- fit for purpose. People we'll be able to
3: watch the games because I haven't arrived in time because the tubes have
2: been delayed. So. <laughs> I, th- I think the BBC's internet coverage of the Olympics is going to be awesome. I'll mm. say that now. I think that's going to be absolutely awesome. The idea that you can watch, um, uh, you know, was it 24 games all at the same time, <laughs> don't know how you do that. But uh, the fact that you're going to... I think every single event is going to be live and watchable. Ralph Blanford.
7: I think on Olympics, for me, uh, it's about the first Olympics as a companion screen, the really big consumer awareness of that. And it may be something as simple as following the Twitter stream as you're in the stadium or watching TV. You have your iPad or your phone as a second screen to the TV or a second screen when you're in the stadium.
0: Much as we're doing this evening with the Twitter wall.
7: Absolutely. And for 2012 Innovation... I only think people will look back and say it was the, um, the year that uh, Metro and Windows 8 came out. There's a question over whether it worked work or not, but if it does work, people will look back and say that was the coming together of what the computer sitting underneath your TV, the computer in your hand, and the computer on your desktop. And I think people underestimate quite what an impact that may have.
0: OK, let's go out to the audience. Uh, can any, does anyone think that 2012 we're going to look back and think of as a year uh, the pioneering innovation in mobile there 's a lot of people shaking their heads. Anyone think it was anyone anyone think anyone think that there 's a particular area that we 're deficient in you know
5: who who needs to try harder battery life i mean th- th- this is the, the big killer. I bought an extended battery which gives me nearly very nearly fifteen hours of uh, of good use, which is just about enough to go through the day i don 't understand how anyone is going to Uh, navigate on the tube and, you know, try and find the directions and get to the Olympics and try and stream and get even halfway through the day uh, without needing to plug in somewhere.
0: Thank you. you. A few more hands going up. Ewan's moving up speed.
4: Coverage, which is by geographical area, but also talking about the, the
3: Olympics and even in the pageant that you have a lot of people together there trying to communicate, and there's no access to the, to the and, network. And we already know from existing
0: so, Stadia, Wembley, Twickenham, sort of Stadium, that that can be a problem.
3: Um, <laughs> actually, I find myself, sorry, James Watley, hi. Um, I find myself agreeing with Rafe, actually, in regards to what innovation will be defined in 2012, and I think two-screening is the thing that's coming in this year. Given um, at E3, the announcement of Xbox Smart Glass, for example, um, the amount of cool, quite fantastic second screen apps for iPad, Zbox, for example. Um, moving those over to second screen information around Olympic games that you're watching on your phone, depending what service you're on, no matter what. But I think two screen is definitely the thing for 2012.
0: Before the before this evening started, we were next door, we were watching the England game, and throughout the adverts at half-time, there was advert after advert for mobile banking, uh, for mobile payment services. Um, why on earth... Oh, Stephen, I'm going to come back to you on this one. Why on earth would I want to stick a credit card on a mobile phone?
3: Well, you already have, uh, or the likelihood is you already have if you have a PayPal account. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that you will. I mean, we use pay, uh, credit cards at the moment, ma- mainly because... Um, some of the other options aren't as mature as they they should be. But I think uh, no one wants to enter a credit card. People have already entered their credit cards probably in Google Wallet and PayPal and a number of other services. Uh, They've also got their mobile phone bill attached so I think the answer is no one wants to enter a uh, a credit card number in a mobile and they won't be very soon.
0: Uh, Just quickly, Ellie, do you think that we will look back and think that mobile payments, mobile wallets was the uh, innovation of 2012?
2: I'm, I'm not sure this year, but who would have actually thought that the Visa and MasterCard were known as the good guys? Um, or, you know,
3: or, or that they'd be advertising in the middle of a football game for mobile yeah,
2: payments. I mean, 30% and 2.5% is a massive difference in terms of how much they charge retailers, and there's just, it's just no competition.
0: Okay, and on that note, I think we're going to end it. I'd be very grateful if you could show your appreciation to the panel for uh, this evening. So thank you very much to Rafe Lamford from All About Symbian, All About Windows Phone, Ilko Elia from LBI, Stephen Pinches from FT Group, Mark Squires from Nokia and Edward Hodges from RBS. Guys, thanks very much. Please do check out uh, at 361 podcast or 361 degre.es, the best domain ever. Uh, follow, the, follow the podcast uh, for future events. Thank you very much. Good night.